How's my financial health, Doc? Welcome to the Financial Literacy Podcast for Healthcare Professionals, where financial security and wealth topics are not a taboo. Welcome to the show, everybody. And my name is Vuket Tran. And I just realized that over the span of about 60-something episodes, I have not said my name many times. And so I'm going to say it. I'm your host, Vuket Tran, and welcome to How Is My Financial Health Doc podcast. Some of you already know I'm a family doctor, I'm an emergency doctor, and also a long-term care doctor. Some of you also know that I own and operate three family practices. I am currently operator of two separate uh, business in the health sector and looking at developing two more businesses in the health sector and also doing this podcast. So you may ask yourself, why is he doing all these things? What is driving him? Well, there are many reasons of what's driving me to do this. I am definitely not alone in doing this type of thing where I'm working as a physician, I'm an entrepreneur, but also have an interest outside of medicine and how could it be more outside than in finance? I have met someone who has very similar minds to mine and in speaking with this person, I realized why we must do it. I do it because it's fun. I do it because I'm learning. I'm doing it because I want to teach. You will meet Wing, and Wing is a friend of mine who also does things very similar to me, and he also teaches financial literacy for physicians and help them with their medical practice. And you ask yourself the question, why are we doing this? And I realized over time, over the last 60 episodes, that doing something like this actually helps me prevent burnout. Will this give me extra income? Probably not because I'm not making any money out of this podcast. And in fact, I'm spending a lot of time doing this podcast and editing it. But at the end of the day, it takes my mind off the work and potentially in the future may lead to some revenue generating project or revenue generating career. So what I really want to talk about today is multiple revenue streams for healthcare professionals. And we need to start looking at this because I believe this is one more way of earning an income, but also preventing burnout. And I have a guest with me today who will be able to discuss about this as well. Welcome everybody back to the How's My Financial Health Doc podcast. And today we have a, a colleague uh, on the phone uh, because we are still doing social distancing. But the main reason is because I have Wing all the way from a little town outside of Edmonton. Uh, I apologize if I said a little town. It may be a, actually be a big town. So Wing, where, where are you from? Uh, I'm from Sherwood Park, which is a, a, a suburb, little uh, hamlet actually outside of Edmonton. So just 10 minutes east of Edmonton. I don't know my Alberta geography. I apologize. Sure. I'm a, I'm a locally trained family physician. Uh, I was trained at U of A. 
And uh, so I practice uh, about 50% family med and 50% uh, geriatric home visits. Uh, and then I do a lot of men, I do a lot of uh, um, entrepreneurial ventures inside and outside of medicine. You and I uh, both practice family medicine, you and I both practice geriatrics, and you and I have both an entrepreneurial side. And so let's just dwell into a little bit into that. Because as we were chatting, we were talking about, you know, physicians having a multiple revenue stream, what that means is, you know, outside of medicine, what else do we do? And why do we do it? And what allows us to do it? You and I are entrepreneurs. I'm a failed recurrent entrepreneur. But you know what? I see that as a good thing because most people say you, you need to fail multiple times before you succeed. I truly believe in Jack Ma's philosophy on that. And so I'm hoping to continue to fail a few more times before I succeed. I fully believe in that, Abu. Uh, that, that's, that's exactly what it means. <laughs> You, you so, failed your way to success. There's actually a famous thing in the business world. Ah, you know what? So I'm, I'm on the right track. So yes. you, and I, you and I were talking about that. You came up with a concept because we're, I was talking about, you know, multiple revenue streams for physicians and healthcare professionals. And I was talking about, you know, side hustle. But you came up with a philosophy and a concept that I really, really like. So tell, tell us what that is. How would a physician that works somewhere between, I don't think anybody would works 40 hours, right? Like let's call it 60 to 100, right? So I was a fresh grad and I, and I literally practiced 100 hours, which was 20 hours cut from a 120 hour residency week, right? So I thought, gee, I, get, I start my practice, I give myself a 20 hour cut. And how do you spread yourself thinner, right? So I remember when we started the clinic, my wife gave up her career to join me building the clinic with bought a practice. And with just 16 to 24 hours a day, 16 months, not, not one day of break. And how long can you last like that, right? So, and, and my, uh, the kids started coming, right? So you, you just cannot possibly run like that. And then, so what do you do? What do you do? So uh, one of my mentors, uh, he came to me, he asked uh, me and said, Wing, would you rather have 1% of 100 people or 100% of one person? I said, can you repeat the question? His name is George. George says, hey, you understand the question. So I said, you know what? I do 100% of one person really well. I'm running nonstop. And everything I went to med school for, I, I'm practicing, right? From deliveries to, to uh, hospital privileges. I have two hospitals, uh, my practice and... Um, uh, teaching, anything, home business, everything, anything, I've done it. But I, I'm stuck, right? I'm stuck. I, I, there's only one of me. So that question kind of decompressed my brain. And it's like, um, what do you call that? The, um, uh, when you drive that, the steering wheel, that uh, uh, airbag, once it's decompressed, it's really, really hard to put it back, push it back. Yeah. So my brain started, started working. And I thought, what am I going to do? So... The, the philosophy of persistent quality part-time effort came from this mentor says, would you invest eight to 12 hours a week and do something else? And at that, that time, it was uh, some business venture he was trying to get me into. It, it's uh, <laughs> the earliest form of e-commerce way back. That's exactly what we need to do. And that became our motto. And in fact, when you think about it, if we want to learn something else, we got to spend some time Right. Like if somebody like uh, some colleagues of mine, <clears throat> two colleagues of mine, they're taking a uh, master's degree in, in um, 
in dermatology from Cardiff University in yeah. Ireland, I think. Yeah, right? very popular. Very popular, right? So what do they do? They take classes, they spend time, right? And Vu, I think you, you got yourself an MBA degree, right? More than one master's degree, right? Well, I do. I have, a, I have a master's in education and then an MBA. Well, there you go. And so you, you did your MBA when you were a physician, right? Correct. Uh, I did it uh, maybe six, seven years uh, into practice. Right. So did you give up your practice for a year and a half or did you do it part-time? Oh, I did it part-time. Um, right. I, I couldn't afford to stop practicing, right? No, nobody could. Nobody could. Now, we said people live from paycheck to paycheck. Well, we, 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 we do live that in a higher form, right? So, yeah, we, absolutely. You know, most of us, uh, like you say, most of us like to work 80 to 100 hours per, per week. And, uh, and funny, we live paycheck to paycheck, but just at a higher level, like you said. Yeah, we're just broke at a higher level. We hate to admit it. Our fragile equal would not allow us to admit that. But you know what? Let's call a spade a spade. Right. So, so now, so I also have colleagues that uh, gave up uh, their family practice and went to become an ortho resident and couldn't finish the program, probably too stressful, and became an ortho hospitalist. Right. So, you change your career. I've also have others uh, that actually gave up the practice and became a dermatology resident. Altogether, now he's a dermatologist friend of mine. And so I said to myself, what am I going to do, right? I, I'm doing everything I could in my training. And so, you know, as a family physician, you, you do 10 years of, um, of CME and you get this FCFP degree, right? And so the first time that I qualified for FCFP, they invited me to convocate at uh, BAMF, right? The BAMF uh, conference, a new scientific assembly. Yeah. So my, my wife uh, uh, is an ex-financial planner. She's really pragmatic. So, so we're having dinner uh, and the kids are around and I said, look, guess what? I, I just got this, another degree, FCFB. I'm so proud of myself. And, you know, jokingly, my wife said that dad, right in front of kids, dad, can you put that on the table and, and can we eat it as dinner? <laughs> no, 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 we're not belittling the, the accomplishment, right? No. But, but did that earn me, can I build more, <laughs> right? <laughs> that designation changed absolutely nothing. Right. And then I thought, OK, if I want to go back and become a resident and start all over again, am I going to be better? Sure. I'm going to build more, but I'm going to lose, what, four to five more years of earning power. Yeah. Opportunity right? cost. Opportunity cost is your compound interest and you cover in many of your podcasts. The, the, the time is not coming back. Time is the non-renewable com commodity. Plus, we're still, sorry, guys, we're still trading time for money. Right. Yeah. Right, it it's just a hand to mouth. It's a hand to mouth, hand to mouth. We're, we're we're glorified technicians. We go there to work, right? And 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 you, whether you, I have next door neighbors who, who are plumbers, and this is a nice subdivision. And you know, the plumber makes a lot of money just as much as a physician, sometimes more. Yeah. <laughs> so so we're technicians. We we go trade time for money. So I'm asking myself, if I dedicate quality part-time effort and still do more medicine at the end of the day am i still just 100 percent of one person or am i going to be one percent of 100 people and, and that concept to be honest was scaring my pants off yeah i know nothing about anything other than medicine i think most of us will relate right yeah well it it took us it took us what 20 years to get to where we are we're very 
tunnel focus because that's what we need to do to focus to get to where we are. We have to fight through medical school. We have to fight through uh, clerkship just to get into residency. And in residency, we have to fight just to get into specialty. And then after that, we have to get to fight to get a PhD just to get into a hospital. I mean, it, it's no wonder that we're tunnel visioned. We are. So so we, we are so fenced in. Um, then we don't know what to do, right? So give you an example, when we built our, our, our medical center, we have a 75,000 square foot medical center that hosts our clinic, which is about 20,000 square feet. And uh, we became an icon uh, in Edmonton. And, and one day a, uh, a specialist gave, gave me a call. I didn't, never, I didn't know her. And she's a general internal med uh, slash ID, in, infectious disease. So this, this lovely young lady said, uh, um, a privilege uh, at U of A hospital, but I like to see if there's any job opportunity here. I thought, really, you you landed at U of A? Like that's that's what everybody wanted. And she says, no, but they gave me a contract of 19 weeks this year. 19 weeks out of 52. Wow, like you can't pay your bills, right? And and so 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 people who are fenced in 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 the academic academic world and locked in in the tertiary hospital. When they kick you out, you don't know what to do with yourself, right? Now, she could have opened up a clinic, right? Blah, blah, blah. But, but there is no training. Z there is zero training to train the physician, especially people got many degrees and many titles. They don't know what to do, right? And, and they're so scared. They're scared spitless. So I, I uh, do audits for the college here in Ontario. And uh, yesterday I went to do an audit for a family physician who's doing a walk-in clinic and he's at his late stage of practice. He actually quote unquote retired, but he's now doing walk-in clinic because he doesn't know what to do with himself after retirement. So he went back to do walk-in clinics. And I said, why are you still doing walk-in clinics at the age of 73? And his answer to me was, I don't know what to do with myself. I'm, I cannot get out of my comfort zone. And unfortunately, this speaks to what you're saying. Physicians, whether you're a family doctor, a radiologist, an ortho, a general internist, dermatologist, we've never been trained outside of medicine and how to get outside of our comfort zone. And we're scared. We're scared. Yeah, we're scared. And we're scared. Plus, we have a fragile ego, proud or slash arrogant. So when, when we got approached with some concepts that we don't understand, we actually turn from being shy and ashamed into being angry. We actually blow up, and and I see that I see that in a lot of people like you, Vu. I have given a lot of free seminars uh, about finance. In my group, I literally have people stand up and walk away. They were allergic to money, and truth be told, the person that walked out could not afford to retire. Yeah, there's well, interesting. So you say that. Mm -hmm. Interesting. You say allergic to money because I I see that all the time, all the time. Every time I talk about finance, people come up to me and say, money doesn't buy happiness. I think they, there's something they don't understand. But it's, it comes back to that same thing that you're talking about, allergic to money. So what is it about us that makes it us, that makes us that way? Well, no, that's that's a totally different topic, right? Why why money is the taboo? I think it's well covered by your one of your previous podcasts, right? From before med school, from interview interviewing for for med school, you already 
won't don't want to tell the inter interviewer that while my goal of getting a med school is really to become a plastic surgeon uh, in Beverly Hills and do plastic surgery on superstars and make millions, right? Like you won't be admitted, right? right. So, so from the get go, we're so so um, money adverse, profit adverse, right? That that we're locked into this persona. We're supposed to be altruistic, right? And, and of course, you see, there's also while that's prevalent, paradoxically, there are a lot of greed in medicine, right? There's still a lot of people grabbing, grabbing, grabbing money. Like I, I met uh, top of walk-in, I have a colleague in my walk uh, at a walk-in center. Uh, it's a famous one in Edmonton, but big chain that got bought out. 120 patients, two double shifts, six hours, see 120 patients. Oh my God. I know, like it's just, just a walking disaster for malpractice, right? And there are people who do that there, including uh, generalists, specialists, is that it's very prevalent. It is. Um, I can, yeah, I can and, attest to that for sure. Yeah. So, so how do you reconcile the two sides of us? And I think at the end of the day, I think everybody needs to make some money, right? And and how much is enough? I don't know. That's that's a very philosophical question. But how about how about this? How about this? Back to our topic of person quality and part-time effort. I want you to say that again very slowly because it's okay. important. Yeah. So Back to the persistent quality part-time effort. Yes. I think the wake-up call for everybody this past year is COVID, right? Absolutely. I, I have a friend of mine who's a plastic surgeon, and she told me that she didn't see the inside of the OR for six weeks straight because her OR got shut down. Yeah. And she said that her colleagues in the States lost 90% of the income. So the wow. most hard, hardly hit specialty in the States is plastic surgery. This colleague of mine, she doesn't do any of those. She's one yeah. of those few plastic surgeons only do province paid yeah. uh, jobs. And she actually so does memory reduction, 24 yeah. months waiting list for memory reduction. And yeah. she hasn't seen the inside of OR. She said, I got overhead, right? Our, our, is our industry really, really pandemic proof? No, no. Not that, right? So, so people have got to wake up. What do I do? So what if you have a college indictment, right? And mm. I, I have uh, this, uh, I have quite a few patients with MS and this this well-known uh, neurologist got his license pulled away the second time. Yeah, and, and suddenly all these patients got nowhere to go. And, and, and so if, or you have a disability, yeah, right? Can you guarantee that you're healthy forever? No. Like, I, I'm a slim oriental guy I, and I, I exercise, I dance with my wife, or, uh, you know, we have dance lessons we go to. And, and I found myself uh, locked up um, at the hospital a year ago with open heart surgery. And so, so my, my colleague says, you're the last person that I think would have open heart surgery. Now, I didn't, get, I didn't go in for a bypass. Yeah. Right? I didn't get coronary artery disease. I had a valvular problem. I ended up with an open heart a valve repair. Hmm. Right? And so during those few months, oh, and then you have the disability, right? I love your, your podcast about disability, right? I had to fight. I had to fight with the insurance company. And meanwhile, I have overhead. We have fixed overhead. And as co-owner of a clinic, you're locked in so many dollars. Yeah. And in my in my sickness, I asked the manager to ask my partners for any forgiveness of overhead. And you know what? That's just around COVID. When COVID hit, and the partner said, no, no way. You got to pull your weight. Yeah. So I had no income. And I was fighting with the insurance company with a 30 to 90 day clearance. Yeah. Right. What a dumb, what it's important concept for them because they, they make money, but it yeah. was a very difficult concept for us to digest. Yeah. But thank goodness I have diversified enough 
in my multiple streams of income. Yeah, right. That's Medicine. important. That's important. I, I want you to repeat that because this is what your concept is speaking about. And I, I really like the term that you put it in because I, I talk about multiple revenue streams and I talk about side hustle, but those are really slang for what your concept is about persistent quality part-time efforts. So let's, let's deal into this a little bit um, about these multiple revenue streams and multiple income. To, to have multiple streams of income, you got to learn about them first. So step number one, the embryonic stage is to, to give yourself a permission, permission to say I'm ignorant. And, and th that already is a smell test. A lot of people fail. Oh my God, that is so important. And I'm sorry to say this, that you are right. Physicians have big heads and we have big egos. And uh, until we realize we don't know what we don't know, we, we won't be able to, to go there. Yeah. So look in the mirror and shout out at, at yourself, at the guy in the mirror and say, I'm an idiot outside of my own field. Say it three times fast. <laughs> I'm an idiot outside of my own field. I, I absolutely agree with you. Yeah, and, and it's true. It's true, right? It, in fact, I have classmates way back said, uh, I don't want to be a, a family physician. I don't want to be a generalist because I want to know just one field. Well, you know what? When I, when I was a medical student, I, I uh, rotated in Montreal with an orthopedic surgeon. And I asked him, why are you specializing in hand surgery? And he says, I'm not smart enough to be an orthopedic surgeon. That subspecialization sometimes puts you into a, a pigeonhole and you no longer see the, the holistic view of things. And unfortunately, you know, medicine is all we do because that's where we train our lives for. But there's so much more outside of medicine. And and a lot of us don't realize that we actually have the skills for much more than just medicine. Yeah. So, so I've been to a lot of leadership conferences, uh, and the latest one I've been to is a global leadership summit, and uh, and this world class, these are all world class speakers, right? And he says, I want to give you an assignment, and the assignment is next time I want you to go to a, a party or a function. Of course, after COVID is is all finished, <laughs> and I want you to speak to a group of people on a topic you have nothing to offer that you cannot lecture to anybody. Something you're so uncomfortable, you can only sit there and listen and shut your mouth. That's my, my assignment for you. <laughs> yeah, no, that is, that is wonderful. That's wonderful, right? So, so, um, so my kids are uh, all adults and uh, when my son comes home and, and, and it's a different language, he apparently spoke English, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't understand the thing about gaming, about, uh, the internet, like the, the inter social media world, internet world, anime, he's a musician. It's like when him and his friends come over, I just shut my mouth. <laughs> I have nothing good to contribute. I sound like an idiot. And that's exactly what it is. We need to give ourselves the permission to step outside of a comfort zone and feel like an idiot all over again. That is the principle of lifelong learning. You know, it's very ironic, huh? Because... As physicians, it doesn't matter which specialty, but as physicians, we allow ourselves to say lifelong learning, but we do lifelong learning only in medicine. We don't do lifelong learning in anything else, which is very, very ironic. It is absolutely ironic. And, and because we're all locked up in the conversation. So anytime 
the tidal wave comes, we're ousted, right? Call it COVID, call it disability, call it uh, like our province is going through major health cuts. You guys are all read about it on top of uh, COVID and uh, uh, AMA Medical Association says 42% of physicians are packing up and leaving the province. My God, that's drastic. There are clinics that are shutting down because of the double whammy. And the people retiring, and I, I know of so I walk, at least one physician ventured out to do food trucks, right? You know, like the people who, who are just so sick and tired of medicine. But, but what do you do? Are you trading yourself from one track to the other, the other track, right? Talk about hamster wheel, right? Are we still doing the hamster wheel thing? Yeah. So, so the quality part of effort thing is first allow yourself, give yourself a permission to leave your comfort zone and learn something you know nothing about. Step number two is to do it, is to find something worthwhile that you can pursue, worthwhile that you can learn. Before you mm -hmm. pursue that, you should probably learn a little bit about it, right? So recycle yourself. Exactly. And, and you know what? So talking about advantage of physicians, we were all once in a while at a time A students, right? We, we, we're good learners. So we, we have proven track record with, with the degrees behind our, our name. Right, some some of us have more degrees than the thermometer, <laughs> right? And and so it's it's proven that we can learn, right? So we're good students, we're hardworking, we have good work ethics, right? And we can follow orders. We're very good at following orders. But I will add, in addition to that, I mean, throughout our training, we've learned to reason and and use deduction, right? That's what science is about. It's about deduction, yes. and. And clinical medicine is about critical thinking. I've not seen many professions where you assimilate all those skills together into one person. You know, uh, the analytics, the critical thinking, the clinical reasoning, deduction, all that into one profession. There's not that many. So we have a lot of skills, but we don't realize that we have them. Exactly. So that's what one of my mentors early on, he said to me, he said, Wing, do you know that you're going to make more money because of your MD degree? but outside of medicine, not inside medicine. I, I believe I, that too, yeah. I, I, no, at that time, I could not believe it. I did not believe him, right? But, uh, and also our, our degree actually carries a lot of weight. Now, I do a lot of real estate, right? And, and, and we need to borrow money, right? And when you go to the bank, uh, who has the A1 credit, MDs, right? Yeah. We trump everybody, right? Like you can have, be a chiropractor, be an optometrist, be a podiatrist, be a dentist. Sorry, the rating is not as good as MDs. They love us. They absolutely love us. We can get a hundred percent loan on, on a commercial construction. That's how we got it in constructing our clinic. Because they know that the borrowers are going to pay back. That's just the type of people we are, right? So back to our little track. So step one is to give ourselves permission. Step two is to do some research, which we're also good at. What is worthwhile, right? So, so at that stage of my, of my profession, I, I learned, I read up uh, some books about the four quadrants, the cash flow quadrants. And there mm. are people in the right quadrants, right? Who make money passively. They have multiple streams of income. And I literally met people, they have six to eight streams of income and they live off six to 8% of their income. Mm -hmm. And they, they earn about the same whether they go to work or not. I said, are these mafia people? Who are these people, right? So it turned out that people on the right quadrants leverage on other people's effort 
or other people's time. And I thought, wow. And, and you can call like lots of successful business people from different sectors to do that. So I said to myself, I'm going to dedicate quality part-time effort to learn everything and anything about how those two quarters work and be a true investor. And so that was my track. That was my track. And, and like you, I have many failures and uh, there are a lot of good learnings. There, there are bad falls. Uh, there's high tuition and the tuition is not just you pay for a course. Like paying for courses, I can pay thousands of dollars. Those are cheap. But when you make mistakes in investment, the tuition is extremely high. Yes. Right. Uh, and one of my mentors says, um, and this is this is reflective of most physicians, right? Because we got dollar signs on our forehead and sucker sign on the forehead that people could see. were perceived to be quote rich and we got the dollar sign stuck on our forehead and we also have another S which is a uh, sucker a stamp on our forehead and a lot of uh, shysters and uh, financial planners everybody's uh, preying on us and so this uh, retired physician uh, mentor of mine he said that yeah so here's the man with uh, with knowledge meets with the man with money and they shook their hands and had the fair exchange and the man with the money, uh, sorry, the man with the knowledge got the money and the man with the money got the knowledge, right? And so this is a classical example that, that people got uh, fooled and they got scammed into something and the money went to the scammer and the physician, in this case, learned some knowledge. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I hope... I hope you don't, you guys don't ever go into there, but you know, I've been suckered quite a few times and my tuition are in the hundreds of thousands of dollars in the, in the range. And that's my tuition money, right? So, so if we want to avoid stuff like that, we, we need to do some semi-formal or formal education. And, and, and in this sphere is there's no, not much formal education. So I think Boo, you and, and me, Wing and Kevin, we from physician empowerment, we're trying to create some semi-formal education. Right. Yeah. But uh, but we need to give ourselves the permission to learn so that we get don't get suckered in. Right. And then the typical topic of being suckered in is the uh, surgical uh, the OR room or the coffee room tip, stock, hot stock tips. Right. You got a stock tip, you know, Dr. So-and-so said, yeah, I bought this and it raised from this price to that price. And, and you just go there and buy it just based on, based on hearsay. Right. And people, of course, lots of people lose their shirt in that sphere as well. I want to yeah. give, I want to give kudos to yourself and Kevin uh, and physician empowerment, because this is probably the very first, uh, I would say, educational curriculum addressing uh, personal finance in the healthcare industry. And, um, and I, I need to give you guys kudos for that, because you are really the pioneer in starting in starting this. Uh, and you are absolutely right. Um, for us to, you know, for us to move beyond medicine and find the persistent quality part-time effort, 
we need to learn what we don't know. Uh, and unfortunately, a lot of us are not willing to go outside our comfort zone or not willing to pay for it. Now, I understand that uh, in getting into it, we will learn, we will fall, we will fail like Jack Ma did, uh, and multiple failures will lead to success. So at some point, we will have to pay tuition. It's like uh, playing Mahjong. I don't know if you play Mahjong, uh, Wing, but... I suck at it. <laughs> but, you know, if you suck at it long enough and you lose uh, you lose enough, that at some point you get better, right? And that's what, uh, that's what my mom used to say all the time. Like, if you play Mahjong, you will lose enough that at some point it's tuition for you to get better. So... It's, it's a question of how much tuition you want to buy or you want to, you want to pay, but that tuition needs to happen. Not everybody succeeds the first time, but we need to get outside our comfort zone. And a lot of things that we learn throughout med school actually allows us to be successful. We've mentioned a few of them already. We've talked about uh, critical thinking. We've talked about, you know, data analysis. We talked about reasoning. But the one thing that we haven't really talked about, and I think it addresses what you're saying, is that the vast majority of us, and I wouldn't just say physicians, I would say uh, nurses, nurse practitioners, is that we are so tunnel vision that we forget what a growth mindset is. And unfortunately, as we get deeper and deeper into our profession, we develop the scarcity mindset. And this is something that my son uh, has taught me. He came home one day when he was in grade three and his, and his teacher was talking about growth mindset. And he talked to me about growth mindset. I'm like, what are you talking about? And quickly I realized that over the years I've developed a scarcity mindset myself and I've fallen into that trap. Yeah. So this scarcity mindset is from, is called economics 101, right? The first chapter of economics, high school economics is we have limited resources. Right. And so, so therefore we're fighting that we have to rise and fall of different nations and different power, different dynasties. And, and, and so that got taught and, and got duplicated. And then it, it, and then the more we're locked in with, with our own world in, in, in the medical world, the less we learn about anything else. And of course you, you hear the news, nobody has a prosperity mindset. Well, some do like, you know, the richest people in the world, they, they all do. And, and, resources are only defined by your technology right people were fighting over bronze when it's bronze age now we're fighting over chips <laughs> for technology right you know the, the war between china and us the us is going to limit the number of microchips to go to china china goes kaput in the technology we're not fighting over oil right like we're not fighting over iron right like it it, it it's a different game right so so part of this prosperity prosperity mindset is to allow yourself to dream. And, and in, in our courses, I cover a lot about dreaming uh, or vision or visionary, right? So th there have been some studies that uh, an average North American adult had fancy, crazy dreams as a kid. Well, what do you want to do? I want to be an astronaut. I want to be a doctor, lawyer. I want to fly to the moon, right? All, all those crazy things. And by age of 25, most people's dream will stop. Because every now and then you think about something grandiose and, and you got a whack in the side of the forehead. And parents or whoever says, stick your head out of the crowd, uh, the cloud. And the rest says, honey, don't go there. Don't go. I just don't want you to be hurt.
So we have lots of people, our loved ones,、uh, who become border bullies. They want to protect you to leave your comfort zone. So by age twenty-five or so, most of us have stopped dreaming. Now, and for us, we became physicians. That was our dream, right? Otherwise, why would we go through the ordeal to become physicians? But after that dream, was there another dream? Well, another dream is to have your practice or to climb up the hospital corporate ladder, or to climb up a political career within the organization or academic world. Other than that, are we dreaming still? Right. And the day that we start dreaming is the day we start dying. Like you say, you know,、um, they do it with good intentions.、Uh, a lot of our colleagues, family members,、uh, friends, put a damper on those dreams. Like I'll give you an example. I'm constantly doing courses. I'm constantly learning about finance. I'm constantly taking leadership courses, and these are not cheap, right? These are ten, fifteen thousand at a time, twenty thousand maybe,、uh, and so you pay tuition to learn more. And then the the feedback that I get back most commonly is, why do you do that? Why do you waste twenty thousand when you can never recuperate that money back again? And the answer is, well, I'm I'm learning. I'm I'm learning. I'm learning to be. I'm dreaming because I want to be doing something else. Not that I don't want to do medicine, but I want to be doing something in addition to medicine. A lot of the friends will have very good intentions to say, don't waste that money. But it's really not a waste of money. It's an investment in yourself to get to the dream. And unfortunately, as you say, past the a certain age or past a certain level of professional work, people stop dreaming. Yeah, exactly. And and, and because what help a person pull through hardship, right? We talk about burnout, right? We talk about burnout, and and people study burnout. It's not just phenomenon with physicians, right? Students burnout, right? Lots of people. Talk about burnout, and, and when, when you think about the gruesome residency base, how do we go through with so little sleep, so little resource? We're broke, we're hungry, we're sleep deprived, deprived. We couldn't even go pee when we needed to, right? But because we have this power of dream, power of hope, and there's a saying years ago that I learned that if there's hope in the future, there's power in the present. A person who's dri- striving and driving and running towards a goal, it's hard for them to burn out. Because they're pressing through the goal, right through the crap to go to the goal. But the person who doesn't have any vision of the future, that's what when they sink. So if we have renewed vision, and this vision doesn't have to be necessarily a new career by itself, the vision is again give, giving ourselves a permission, right? So 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 this mentor might ask me, wait, what if time and money were no object? What if success is assured? What would you do? What would you rather do? What would you? Where would you go? What would you see? Who would you become? My mentors taught me to write those things down and and do not put a damper on. Write down for about half an hour, two pages worth of goals and dreams. And some of those are crazy, right? Want a Ferrari? Want a boat? Want a plane? Right? I want to go to this place. And very soon, I challenge you to write two pages. By the time you finish the first page. It's really hard to go to the second page. That's one. Second phenomenon is by the time you write down, it's hard to just can. Crazy, stupid dreams aside, you have very noble dreams. All of us have seeds of greatness. We want to bless people. That's how we became healthcare professionals. There's some grandiose, but noble things that 
what you end up writing down. And somewhere there lies a purpose and destiny. And, and nothing is more powerful than unearthing that in your life. The dreams and the purpose uh, doesn't have to stop now. Uh, and it doesn't, mean we, no. we, it doesn't mean that we have to stop practicing medicine either. To your point, it's only a dream if you don't, if you don't write it down. Um, yes, and exactly. You need to write it down to be able to be achievable. Yes, that's called vapor to paper. <laughs> you got to turn vapor into paper. Now, believe it or not, I wrote, I wrote my dream on a piece of paper and I scotch taped it on top of my headboard on, uh, in my bedroom. And, Good for you. And I've given, I've given myself five years to achieve that. It's a dream. Mm-hmm. It's a crazy dream. But unless I put it down onto paper, it's just a dream, right? Right. And part of leadership, and that's, that's one of the, the pillars uh, that we believe in, position uh, uh, empowerment is leadership, right? The, the birth, the, the spawn of a leader is actually a, an intense dissatisfaction of status quo. Right? Somebody woke up one day and found that this world could be a better place. So they, they start to have this uneasy feeling that, ah, man, I really like a different future. And when they struggle, they rock the boat. That's when they create ripples. That's when their peers and loved ones really got very uncomfortable and say, honey, don't, 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 right? But, but, but if the leader breaks through and starts to, to go towards the dream or the goal or, or the ideal of a better world, they would create a force. They would create flux and movement. And that, that, that movement that is created, the rippling across everybody else, is actually called leadership. And so people who are worth following are people who have a sense of direction. They're passionate about where they go. And so the bigger the organization, the more important this, this is. So leadership is measured not just by your charm, your charisma, or how iron-fisted you can become, or how, how you can manipulate people, right? It's really your sense of leadership. Your sense of leadership is your sense of direction. If people could, could feel that you're going, you're like a rocket uh, three times the speed of sound. People either hop on with you uh, or, or get out of the way. <laughs> yeah. Now I want to I want to come back to your concept, and because I I want to make sure that it becomes concrete for people. We've talked about three steps, right? So first step is allowing yourself to get out of your comfort zone. The two is invest in yourself and and learn. Uh, the third one, remind me what it was. Well, the third one, I think, is to seek mentorship. Right. you got to, like, like medicine, right? Medicine is basically an apprentice program. We, we have a few, one, two, three, four years of classroom, but the most of the training, it's, it's in a mentorship capacity or apprenticeship, right? So, so we can do book-style learning, but we got to dive in. we got to find people who have the fruits on the tree and emulate and actually connect with people who have to put up the tree. And, and that is really scary, and that's very difficult. Mentors are not out there for hire necessarily, right? So so that's that's where the rubber meets the road. If you have a strong enough dream, your dream, that that, that momentum will push you out of your comfort zone. And, and then and if you look hard enough, they say, there's a saying, if the student is ready, the mentor will show up. Very right? true. We thought, well, who, who's there out there? Well, you got a little grasshopper. You got to have some faith. <laughs> it's like Indiana Jones, right? Final scene goes to that, that the treasure and, and, and there's a cliff. You got to 
I have the first step out and then the, the stair, the step stairway showed up. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I absolutely believe in that. And it, it sounded like you had a great mentor uh, to lead you through these paths. So what would be what would be step number four? And are there any steps number four and five? The step four and five is you keep learning and failing and learning and failing. Right? And that's it. You, you, you're in the practicum now, right? Uh, you can do your research. You can listen to podcasts like this. You can... You can uh, go to conferences. I belong to different groups, and, and one group is that real estate group called Rain. Um, yes, I'm part of that as well. Yeah, and, and so there are people who are there 17 years or 22 years who never bought a house, right? Because some people get trapped into being a spectator. I'm in in the hockey game, yeah, but I, I watch hockey, right? Right. <laughs> people say I can I can play music by pressing the button play. Right? So, so as long as we're not trapped as spectator, right? You gotta get roll your sleeve up, get yourself dirty, fail a few times, and and that's how you accumulate your knowledge and keep going, keep going, keep going. So right, and and the, that's the only way. Step number four is jump in, take yeah. action. Take action. Yeah. Make mistakes. Don't be a spectator. So let's let's repeat those four steps again of the persistent quality part-time effort. Okay, so step number one, give yourself permission to leave your comfort zone. Step number two, to research and learn and to define your dream, pursue your dream. Yep. Number three is to pursue mentorship. Correct. And step, step number four is jump in, get wet, and get going. And I think all this comes back to the fact that we need to maintain and develop that growth mindset and that we need yeah. to be comfortable in failure. And this is something that you know healthcare professionals are not used to because in our clinical world, if we fail, someone dies. Yes. And so this is definitely not a comfort zone for us. We cannot allow ourselves to fail because in, cl in our clinical world, it means something really, really bad. Uh, but in the rest of the world, it's actually a good thing. And we, we have forgotten that. We got bred. We got bred in medicine, a culture of elitism, accuracy, right? And, and no mistake, right? And so you're right. This is exactly the biggest struggle we have to fight against, is we need to allow ourselves to make mistakes in real life, right? And, and when you think about why there's a lot of suicide in our profession, Right, it's because we cannot afford to see ourselves fail. That is so true, and so we need to give ourselves permission to do that. Exactly. Yeah. Can I share my example? Of course. What I went through. Yeah. I didn't even know I had when I finished my residency. I had a dream. I didn't know that. Right. So it's not until years later, I was running about my practice. I went from one to six physicians, and ran and ran and ran. My wife and I, we, we, we just did everything we could to run the practice. Um, and then we were burning out. I was burning out. I was at the crossroads ready to to sell the clinic. Now I was a fool. I believe somebody might buy it, but nobody would buy anything <laughs> at that time. And I was I was doing a lot of senior home visits. And, and the way that we worked out, the way that we could uh, is the clinic paid for itself. Okay, so my practice overhead, my personal practice became 0% overhead. So I thought, this is cool. And then there are healthcare cuts and this and that. I said, you know what? Maybe 
maybe I want to just shut down my clinic and just do geriatric home visits. And uh, then I'll be happy and pursue my other extracurricular interests. And then I went to a, a conference. This conference is another leadership conference. We talk about expensive conference. This one is in the States. And they ended the conference with a concept called legacy. And what is legacy? Legacy is when you're gone, what is left behind? What would be, what would, what would, what would you be remembered? Would your kids remember as so-and-so? Would your grandkids even know you? Would they remember you as anything? So, so this, this conference pushed everybody to, to, to push them to the finality. Right? And, 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 the, and the paradigm is posterity establishes priority. So what, what's your dream? What's your goal? What, what would you like to be remembered when you're gone? So on the way back on the plane, I was thinking, meditating, and then my, my residency time dream came. I said, wow, I really wanted a, uh, a center that has everything, anything, everything we learned in, in family medicine that could be practiced outside of the hospital setting and no, no strings attached. So I was just thinking about that in the airplane and, and interesting, interesting. Another day I came by, he's another physician. He said, hey, Wayne, how, how do you find that conference? I said, well, yeah, it was pretty good. In fact, this is what I'm thinking about. You may call me crazy. And he says, interesting, I got land. <laughs> so that led me into uh, a journey. Of course, it's a long journey, but uh, fast forward about three, four years. Yeah, so we, we, we found the land and... Uh, and when we finished, the crazy thing is, how much was the building worth? $20 million. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. When people have set their mind and have set their dream, the mentors will come. And I think that's, yes. that's what your story is about. Is that if you don't have a dream, you will never find the mentors. But if you have a dream and you develop it and you put it on paper, the mentors will come. And so that is the first step to, uh, to on that journey of that new dream. And it doesn't mean that physicians have to stop practicing medicine. It just means no. that you now have to develop a persistent quality part-time effort. My story with, with this principle is through all this, I did not quit medicine. Yeah. Right, it was still the persistent quality part-time effort. Yeah. Right. Then you can achieve great things, great projects, and bless lots of people. Right. Yeah. I think the important point that you mentioned as well, and I, I think it's worth mentioning, is that this is one way of dealing with burnout. It's not the only way, yes. but it's one way. It's a powerful way. A powerful, powerful way to and combat burnout and it's definitely not limited to physicians it, it could be for nurses nurse practitioners physician assistants dentists it could be for everyone and so I, mm -hmm. I i thank you for reminding everyone that we have forgotten how to dream and this is important to for us to combat burnout wing that was an amazing discussion um, i want to thank you for your wisdom and sharing your wonderful experience. I think you are proof that we can practice medicine and also dream at the same time. Absolutely. Yes, we can. Everybody can. Before leaving the audience, if you had one message to leave that's burning on your chest right now, 
what would you say to us? The one message to, to, for everyone who's listening is that you're worth it. You got to see the greatness in you and you have become a physician, you have become a blessing to the community. But that's not the end of it, right? You can do more. There's a lot more you can achieve. There's a lot more in your dream, in your dream tank. You just need to unearth them and they would bless you, bless your family. It, it would be, your, your life would be even more full and abundant if you pursue it. Thank you. That That is powerful. That is powerful. Well, I hope everybody enjoyed that discussion with Wing as he shared with us his wisdom. I want to apologize to the listeners because of the poor quality of the audio. It was just very difficult on that day to do the recording without the static. I promise you future podcast episodes will be much better. On that note, I would like to invite all of you to my next webinar on September 17, where we're going to do one more time an all-day webinar on personal financial literacy. Empower your future self. That's what we're going to be talking about. You can learn more about the webinar by visiting beautifultimesinc.ca forward slash conference and workshops in one word. Again, beautifultimesinc.ca forward slash conference and workshops. As always, I really want to hear what you have to say. So please give me your feedback. You can email me at hmfhd2020 at gmail.com and tell me what you like or did not like about the podcast. And even better, please let me know what other topics you would like to hear about in the future. So please do leave me your feedback at hmfhd2020 at gmail.com. For now, I will say goodbye. How is My Financial Health Doc podcast is hosted by Dr. Vukit Tran. Dr. Tran is a physician with a special interest in personal financial security and wealth education. Dr. Tran does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through this financial podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice. Please confer with your advisor, lawyer, or accountant for specific advice.